Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have made it to episode number 53. And we, of course, as always, fueled by the wonderful Philly Duncan. Uh, Once again, big shout-out to Ed Donovan. And uh, in case you haven't heard the news, they're going to be with us for the rest of the season. And what does that mean for you guys? Well, first and foremost, if you haven't heard, we're giving away Eagles tickets to the Eagles-Giants Sunday night football. Hopefully, super big matchup as uh, we can get excited this week. with Hopefully, a a win over St. Louis at home. And then we can carry that momentum into a, a crazy ruckus on Sunday night. At 8.30, and the only thing you need to do is just go check us out at BGN underscore radio. Uh, look at the pinned tweet there. It gives you all the instructions. You just retweet that out. You give us a score prediction and the uh, total offensive yards for the Eagles that you think uh, they're going to acquire in this matchup coming up here. And if you you you, uh, you get the closest, you win. That's it's, it's just that simple. So go check us out at BGN underscore radio. Uh, but uh, let's get into the business as we welcome everybody here that is uh, joining us. I welcome the editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. What's happening, pal? Hey, I'm doing good. I think I'm now the hardest working person on the show because Patrick <laughs> Wall is missing out tonight, and this is my third straight episode. And and, and he's taking the streak away, and uh, a big shout-out to Patrick Wall. Happy birthday, buddy. By the time this airs, it is officially his birthday, so I hope everyone is taking off his pants and pouring tequila and whiskey all over his face and uh one man that loves to do that on the daily 97.5 the fanatics own mr james zeltzer what's happening pal john how did you know about that who told you I, uh, is, it, is it just out there does everybody know two words nanny cam that's yes. all you need to know buddy all right, I'm, okay with it. I'm okay with it i'm gonna own who i am john <laughs> i love it well um you know we try and get that excitement in here because it's really tough to get excited about this game. It's it's nobody that is is a division rival. It's a team with a third-string quarterback. 
Um, it, there's a, a lot of talent that really just hasn't peaked. And I don't really know what Jeff Fisher is doing in St. Louis. And uh, we'll figure that out more. And actually, just a little bit, our good friend Joe McAtee from Tur- uh, Turf Show Times, our uh, wonderful uh, brother Brog on the St. Louis Rams, he'll be joining us shortly. But uh, BLG, how are you getting ramped up for this? Is this just kind of like, well, it, hopefully it's a win. And if it's not, it's a super trap game. And then we can talk about Joe Webb and all the other, you know, Christian Ponder even as well. Uh or Matt Castle, I should say, type of performances. I like that pun there. Am I getting ramped up for this game? <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird week. I mean, you're coming off the loss to the 49ers. I think everyone felt pretty bummed on Sunday night. And really? You get I, to didn't this... get, I didn't get that impression at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone was happy. No. But, I mean, it's funny, though, because it kind of went, I feel like it went away quickly. Now you're in the middle of the week, and you're kind of just like, eh, whatever, you know. And I don't, I don't think anyone is super fired up for this game. It's because it's just kind of a weird opponent. The Rams, I mean, no disrespect to them, but they're just not very the, the most very exciting team, as you alluded to earlier. I can't really think of too many compelling storylines. Kind of a weird team, though, if you look at how they played so far. I mean, first game of the season, uh, they're starting off without Bradford. Sean Hill is starting, and he gets hurt. Austin Davis comes in. The Vikings kill him next week. You know, Austin Davis, they beat the uh, the Buccaneers, uh, and, and then they get up huge on the Cowboys in week three, and, you know, it almost looks like, wow, you know, what's what's going on here? And then they blow it. So, I mean, it's kind of a weird team, uh, and then obviously they just had a bye, so that's obviously going to help them a lot. They have a, they're coming off a full week of rest. Kind of a weird situation. Uh, I, I feel like this is a game where, you know, the Eagles have been messing around with these opponents lately. You know, the games are closer than they should be. You know, this is this is the week to really come out and just kind of blow the doors off. I don't know if it'll be easy. You know, they're still missing players on the offensive line. Nick Foles is look shaky. LeSean McCoy, you know, where is he? But if there's a week to, you know, blow the doors off and really, you know, show you're not uh, just some team that has to struggle every game, I think this is a good week to do that. Yeah, James, are you looking for the same thing here too? I mean, are you going to be happy with just kind of like what if it's a what if it's a Jaguars esque? type of game where it's just things aren't clicking they finally get it and then they blow the doors off are you okay with that or are you going to be just feel more comfortable if this is a dominating crushing win yeah obviously i mean who wouldn't prefer a dominating crushing win (laughs) kind of setting it up there uh but look uh, you know as long as they come out of this with a win i'm happy uh it's kind of one of those weird games i mean it's just I just feel so unjacked up about facing the Rams. It's such a boring team. I, they're well coached, uh, a nice offensive line, a lot of talent there. Uh, but I mean, like, look, their best player is Robert Quinn, who's a, who's a great player. But you know, no one's paying the ticket fee to go in and watch Robert Quinn play football. So it, it's just there's just no juice to this game. Uh, you know, you just hope. Uh, and look, to get back to your question. Obviously, I would prefer and I would really like to see them go out and just dominate this game from start to finish. But in this kind of weird game in between weeks where you're just coming off a loss and you got the Giants on Sunday night the next week, I just want to get out with a win. I'll take it how I can get it. I just want to W and and move on from from the Rams. You said well coached. Do you really think, I mean, honestly, do you think the Rams and Jeff Fisher are doing a good job? I, here's the thing. I think that Fisher at least is a decent coach. I'm not a huge yeah. Jeff Fisher guy, but I think he knows what he's doing. I think he runs a, a you know, he has a well-run 
organization, as it were. I, you know, I think, look, if it weren't for, for the quarterback spot, they'd, might, they'd be a much better team. You know, I they do are they are built well on the lines. They have a really good defensive line, a really good offensive line. Uh, they've got talent in the linebackers. Their defense in general is pretty decent. I think Fisher's a good defensive coach. Uh, I just think it's really hard to judge the team as a whole because – They've got Austin Davis playing quarterback or Sean Hill or even when it was Sam Bradford, who I'm just not a huge fan of. I just, they, you know, it's just not an exciting team. But, yeah, I think they're sound. I think they're fundamentally sound. I just, you know, they just don't have the talent to get it over the top on the most important position on the field. And yeah. they're in the NFC West, too, you know, and then, you know, just just that is so hard for them because, you know, maybe you put them in a, a softer division like the AFC South. You know, maybe they're, you know, a second place, third place team. I mean, they're really the, the best fourth place team in all of football last year <laughs> in a division they really are i mean yeah you couldn't ask for a better team that's in last place in a division yeah i don't know sure they could probably compete anywhere else it's just it's i, I don't know I, I my my things with jeff fisher is i i really don't understand he, he really values veterans over younger guys that's what i've noticed that's what i've been reading this week it's it's one of his kind of downfalls that happened in tennessee too like if you have like I don't know why Greg Robinson isn't starting like that's a that's a second overall pick and uh, I know in Philadelphia if we didn't have the the guy that was slated to be a starter from day one wasn't playing you know it's it's week four now like that's if you wasted uh, 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 the second overall pick to you know have this guy make an impact I I, I don't know what they're doing down there. I get what you're saying, but in this specific situation, I mean, they're pretty talented along the offensive line. I, you know, that when they were going to play Robinson, they were going to move him from tackle to guard to just get him in the line to begin with. Uh, you know, Jake Long obviously going to play. And Joe Barksdale is graded out, uh, at least pro, according to Pro Football Focus, is yeah. literally one of the best tackles in the league this year. He's top five in terms of PFF's grading. And, you know, you could take that for what it's worth. But, you know, I, there just isn't a, a spot for Robinson as much. And, and it's not like they were 2-14 and 14 and got the second pick. What were they, 7-9? and nine, They just got the second pick because of the RG3 trade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and and the guy that uh, is uh, is going to tell us a lot more about this is actually uh, Joe McAtee. He joins us now from the uh, Turf Show Times, our other SB Nation friend. Joe, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, not too much. We are actually just uh, it chimed into the perfect time because we were, we were trying to just decipher – what is it about Jeff Fisher and how how are the Rams uh, fans and you perceiving his coaching tenure this year despite all the quarterback injuries? Well, I think that's kind of uh, what we're going to have to see over the rest of the 2014 season. You know, it's year three. Nobody's got an indefinite leash despite the fact that Fisher comes in with experience after two pretty disastrous uh, tenures between Steve Spagnuolo and Scott Linehan. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. I think the problem for him is there's not a big sign of improvement, right? You've got two seven-win seasons, which after the disaster that was 2006 to 2011, it's a market improvement. But seven-win you know, seven seasons only get you so far. And especially with the Robert Griffin, the third trade that they were able to pull off, and the host of extra draft picks early on in these last three drafts, that the Rams were afforded when no other team was given that kind of capital to work with. I think the leash is shorter than it's ever been, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out for Fisher and for the Rams as a well. whole. The Rams come into Philadelphia this week. The Eagles are coming off a loss. Offense didn't put up a single point, no touchdowns. They, they barely even got by the 50-yard line until the fourth quarter, the second-to-last drive of the game. 
you know, they're coming in here. You have this, this banged up offensive line still. You have Lane Johnson back at right tackle, so that helps the Eagles a lot. But, uh, you know, how, how do the Rams come in here and get a win? Well, I think they've got to try to play the football that they haven't gotten to this season, which is what they planned for, which was physical defense and physical offense. Uh, you know, they went ahead and drafted Greg Robinson number two overall in the draft, and everybody thought that kind of signaled, you know, a Zach Stacy-led era where they were going to rely on Sam Bradford less. Obviously, now they can't rely on him at all. <laughs> and going into that first game, a lot of people thought that's what it was going to be, was a run-heavy offense that leaned on the defensive line to control the pass and maybe the agility and athleticism from the secondary to control the run. They've gotten some of that throughout three games, but obviously with a huge loss to Minnesota where the, the Rams just collapsed from the mid-third quarter on uh they get a road win against tampa and things looked all right uh you know as austin davis's first start go up 21 to nothing against the cowboys and everybody's thinking okay maybe this is right you know maybe things are starting to fall into place and then the exact opposite happens they end up losing the game 34 to 31 at home going into the bye week and now a horrible eight game stretch for the rams if you look at the schedule it gets really difficult but i think if they're going to win games with this one included you got to establish the running game. Zach Stacey is too talented. You know, everybody's talking about DeMarco Murray. Zach Stacey averaged over a yard more than DeMarco Murray did in the last game. The difference was DeMarco Murray got twice as many carries. That's a problem that the Rams can't afford uh, moving forward. Number two is they got to be more careful with the ball. They've had fumbles the last couple weeks, two interceptions from Austin Davis. That's not going to cut it because the offense isn't, you know, capable of providing the kind of firepower in a shootout. Uh, that a lot of other teams' offenses are. And then third, you got to control the pass. The Rams haven't gotten a ton of pass rush. A lot of offenses are running really quick passing schemes that negate the qualities of guys like Robert Quinn, uh, Michael Brockers, and obviously our other first-round pick, Aaron Donald, who's really splashed a lot of talent. But, you know, when you got quarterbacks taking one three-step drops and really getting off on their first read, it's hard to get a lot of pass rush. So the Rams got to figure out a way to force teams not to get comfortable running the ball and take some of those deeper drops, force them into third and eight, third and ten to give the pass rush the capability to really influence the game positively for the Rams. Joe, getting back to the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I think the big story in St. Louis this week was Jeff Fisher naming Austin Davis the starter, uh, at least sure. moving forward for the foreseeable future. Uh, I myself, I don't know about a lot of our listeners. I've not watched a lot, a lot of Southern Miss football. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about Austin Davis, kind of what are his strengths and weaknesses, and, and whether Rams uh, reporters and fans believe that he can actually carry this team to a winning record. Sure. Well, I'd say this. If Austin Davis had all the inta- all the tangible qualities that you're looking for in a quarterback, you probably would have seen more Southern Miss football. And the fact that, you know... <laughs> You know, the fact that he's not a big name and that, you know, even though he's got a lot of records, despite the fact that Brett Favre went to Southern Miss too, he's not the kind of guy that wows you with a lot of things. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's not incredibly mobile. You know, he's not making these impressive throws. But what he does is manage the game. He's really the classic idea of a game manager. And the Rams saw that against Tampa Bay when he pulled out a win, and they saw it in flashes against the Cowboys when the wide receivers were able to make the bigger plays. And he was just there to kind of, you know, scan the field, do the easy things and not put too much on his shoulders to really elevate the team. I think the difficulty is as you face some more talented defenses than what the Cowboys and the Buccaneers offer, you're going to have to have Austin Davis step up. And, you know, I think Rams fans, at least through two performances, are at least optimistic that he's going to be able to engage the offense a bit more than what he has. The problem is when you get, for example, if you guys saw the, the GIF or the video of Jared Cook pushing him on the sideline, he had a wide open touchdown that he hits his tight end, you know, supposedly with the best hands on the offense. 
for an easy touchdown, he ends up dropping the ball and the Rams take a field goal. That's four lost points and they end up losing the game by four. So when when you're asking Austin Davis to do everything, you know there's a problem. The rest of the team is going to have to continue to step up and allow him to work his way into the offense until it's really time for him to shine if that time ever even comes. Talking to Joe McAtee from the Turf Show Times and, you know, there's a... Uh, along with all this craziness that's happening on the field, you got multiple reports. ESPN 101 just said a couple of days that they're going to make a decision on whether or not the Rams are even going to stay in St. Louis, and that's going to come after the Super Bowl. Then there's conflicting you know, reports going back and forth whether that's going to happen. How do you feel about all this kind of surrounding the franchise possibly moving back to Los Angeles. Well, it was uh, Randy Carricker, who actually hosts one of the afternoon shows in St. Louis, actually said that the decision's already been made, that the Rams are, that his source told him that the Rams are moving to Los Angeles. I think the problem is they've left themselves in, in a situation with this much uncertainty. Um, you know, if they had definitively come out and said, you know, we're not going to even think about it until the end of the 2014 season when the lease goes up, on the Edward Jones Dome becomes a year-to-year situation, they could have avoided any kind of rumors because they would have just said, we're not going to deal with this at all until we get to -to year-to-year. If they had said, you know, obviously it's difficult to say, yeah, we're going to speculate on moving out to Los Angeles and really investigate that, that would have, you know, inflamed a lot of the passions of Rams fans who have supported the team in the St. Louis area for the last decade plus. On the other hand, if they had said, you know, we're committed to seeing out this process in a way that makes sense for the team that makes sense for the providers of the facilities because it's not a it's not a stadium that's owned by the principal owner of the Rams, Stan Kroenke, unlike you know Jerry Jones Stadium or anything like that. Uh, and, and said, you know, we're going to respect the process and really work with all the parties involved, including the city, to make sure that everybody gets what they want out of this facility. I think you would have avoided a situation where you've got, you know, random unnamed sources popping up and the kind of rumors that nobody can really deny because Stan Kroenke went ahead and bought a huge parcel of land out in Los Angeles not too long ago with the, the obvious intent to provide some leverage if there are even negotiations to be had between the Rams and St. Louis. So it's one of these things where you you start playing so many games and eventually it's going to have, you know, rumors pop up and these kind of discussions and fears on the behalf of people of St. Louis that the team actually is going to move. But until there's anything concrete, it's one of those things, at least at TST, that we don't really deal with that much because, you know, there's no weight behind it. We don't have the unnamed source that Randy Carricker does. And, you know, until then it's innuendo and stuff that maybe uh, we'll, we'll wait for pro football talk to come up with the hot takes. <laughs> Ah, good old Florio helping everybody out there. You, well, you know he's good for those. Exactly, exactly. Just uh, just as much as it is here on BGN Radio. I tell you what, Joe, uh, one last uh, thing before you get out here. Just want to know, how does this end for you uh, come Sunday? You know, it's going to be interesting to see. You guys have uh, a much stronger roster, I think, than we faced uh, so far this season. Obviously, with Chip Kelly and the kind of demeanor of the offense, we haven't faced something like that in terms of the pace and, you know, a lot of the different things that the offense is capable of throwing at. I know Jeff Fisher on his show on Monday was talking about one of the small little wrinkles is that a lot of times when a ball carrier or somebody on the offense ends up near the sideline, that you guys a lot of times will will hastily switch them out without a, a huddle. And it, it, a lot of times it's difficult for defenses to pick up on that, and that's something that they've been practicing. But you can't pick up all those wrinkles in the course of a week after you know dealing with other teams. And then immediately after Philadelphia, we've got to move into divisional play against the 49ers and Seahawks, who obviously were in the conference championship last year. It's not getting easy, so we can't spend a ton of time 
with Philadelphia and ignore everything that's going on uh, past that. I think the difficulty is they've got to right the ship. They had that game against Dallas. They would have been 2-1 and one going into the bye with some comfort of a realistic chance of having a decent season ahead of them. Now at 1-2, and two, you don't have Sam Bradford. You don't have Chris Long, Trumaine Johnson. The number two cornerback isn't ready yet. Tavon Austin's coming off a knee injury. Brandon McGee, the number four corner who played a bunch of time off True's been out early in the season. He's coming off a foot injury. So there's a lot of things, a lot of asterisks on the team. They couldn't afford him in the first place. And the fact that they're having to deal with them now, there's reason to worry. But I think if, you, if you're a Rams fan and you're trying to be optimistic, there's just basics that you got to get back to. Running the, running the ball, staying physical, negating the pass, and then you got to get a little bit smarter in the penalty game. The Rams just commit too many penalties, and for a team that young that's that inexperienced on offense, you just can't afford them. And if they're going to win, they got to get rid of that on Sunday. Awesome. Well, uh, Joe McAtee from uh, the Turf Show Times, thank you so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome, awesome stuff. Thanks again, Joe. That was uh, that was perfect. Well, I mean, we've, we've covered pretty much everything that could go right or wrong with the Rams. Uh, BLG, what could go wrong with this Eagles team? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's funny because, like, I think there's a lot of assumption that they're going to rebound, and I think there's good reason for that. You get Lane Johnson back, you're at home, you know, they, they have a full week of practice to go back and correct some of the mistakes that were made against the 49ers. But, I mean, you know, it, you're almost worried. <laughs> you know, they come off this game where they can't even move the ball, like I said earlier, past, you know, the 50-yard line until the second-to-last drive. And you're, you're, I mean, you're kind of like, well, how are they going to be able to score points this week? Uh, you know, it, it's really, I mean, I guess we're all, again, we're just kind of assuming they'll rebound, but we have to see it. I mean, Nick Foles has to play better. We've talked, we've talked about this every review show I feel like we've had so yeah. far, except week three. And we stressed it earlier this week. Uh, he has to play better. I mean, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I guess the blocking will be better when you get Lane back, but we'll see. You know, is he is he going to get room, and is he going to make the most of it when he does? I mean, we'll see. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of assumptions right now, and I think, like I said earlier, there's a good reason for them, but, I, I mean, it's almost at the point where I kind of want to see it again before I start fully believing it'll happen. Yeah, and with Lane Johnson's return, James, I mean, I we all expect that to kind of be like, oh, thank goodness he's back, but... I mean, he literally has had no contact with the team for a solid month. So I know he says he's in great shape. His, his agent is probably feeding that as well. But how confident are you that he can step in there and then the run game will suddenly be a little bit better? Well, uh, yeah, I'm happy you said a little bit better because, you know, anyone who thinks that, that just putting Lane Johnson in there is going to drastically change things is is silly. I mean, it, it takes more than that. One player isn't going to, you know, make the run game go. But do I think it can help? Absolutely. I mean, you know, A, it moves Todd Ehrman's back to his normal position. I think he's much better at guard than he is at tackle. Uh, and Lane's, look, Lane's a super athletic guy. He hasn't been out there in a while, but he's young. He's physical. He's been working out. I, I think Lane's going to be okay from a physical standpoint, and, and I think he'll be fine from a mental standpoint. Um I just think it might take him a little while to get going, and thus you might not see the results right away. But I do think it's I think it's a big, big, significant upgrade to get Lane Johnson back on that line and have him healthy. But you know, ultimately the guys just have to block across the across the board. They have to block better. You know, the the running game is not going to change just because Lane Johnson's there. The whole line is going to have to block better. And and you know. It, it, it goes across the board. Shady, Shady's even said himself that he hasn't run as well as he'd like to. He's not hitting, you know, certain spots. So, 
you know, I think the the whole running running game needs work, and uh, you know, Lane Johnson will help, but by himself, uh, you know, I don't think he could do that. I think it's going to have to be a, a full offensive effort. And BLG, me and you were talking off the air. You know, is going just through injuries and. Yeah, it looks like obviously Kendricks is going to be out again, so we'll, we will be rotating the same Acho Matthews, Marcus Smith uh, trio out there. But the other guy that everybody's kind of really excited and some people are getting really annoyed by is the fact that Josh Huff, again, another full participant in practice. There was some back and forth in between, you know, uh, Josh Huff standing out there and saying, I was good to go last week, everything was fine. Uh, then Jip coming out and saying, well, he wasn't, ready mentally or physically to go. And then it says that Josh told Chip that he wasn't ready to go. So what what are we doing with Josh Huff? And, and do people have a right to be frustrated that he's not on the field yet? Yeah, I think you do. Because I think you want to see a third round pick be able to, you know, be active on game day. You know, as we say that, we've had Marcus Smith, the first round pick, inactive. But um, yeah, a lot of people want to see Huff. Uh, he's a third round pick. He had he was a full participant in practice last week, but he was ruled questionable for the game. And when I saw that, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to play at that point. But even you wonder if even if he's healthy, if if they're going to activate him because you already have five wide receivers active. Uh, they're not going to bench Brad Smith because you know he's pretty critical on special teams. Do you bench Mayo? I mean, I guess a lot of people would want to do that, but I mean, do you really have to? I mean, it's you know from what I've seen of of Josh Huff, you know. Uh, just from watching him in training camp, you know, he looks like a rookie. He's not, he, he, he needs more reps and he needs the playing time. And that's part of why you'd like to see him on the field. But, he, you know, we, we can't act like he's some polished product at this point. I think, you know, a lot of people want to see Riley Cooper benched in favor of Huff, figuring that Huff can't be worse. But, you know, I, I don't think that's realistic. You have to factor in things like blocking and knowing the plays, you know, as Chip suggested, not uh, Huff not being ready, maybe mentally too. So, you know, it's hard because you do want to see him out there. You know, I, I think he does need to be active sometime soon. And maybe that is the case this week because I think I don't think he's going to be questionable going into this game. I think he's probably going to be probable. We'll see if he's active. Uh, I never expected a big role for him whenever he was drafted. I really didn't see him coming on offense and having some kind of big role. Because you already have Matthews, you have Cooper, you have Macklin. I think what you wanted to see out of him is special teams play. And obviously, and maybe that's even cut down because you have Chris Polk now returning pretty well as your kick returner. So it's just kind of trying to find the space for him. I'm just not seeing where he really fits in right now. You have a good point with Chris Polk. I mean, that was almost kind of out of necessity due to the injuries to him and a couple other guys. And you weren't going to really stick Darren Sproles out there as much because he's already returning punts and... Uh, you know, gets his touches as well. So if Chris Polk can do the job, why rush Josh Huff uh, at all? And I think we all thought that too, five to 10 snaps, special teams player, the the really wowed, uh, you know, special teams touchdown that he had uh, in the preseason. But other than that, I mean, James, are you, game plan's pretty much got to be the same, right? <laughs> make, make sure you can uh, run the ball, uh, let everybody stack the box and hopefully Nick Foles, makes the throws and on the other side just keep tacking that third string quarterback and you know I, I and stop the run. I mean that's that's basically it, right? Any in, insight on what you would do differently there? Yeah, well, I think they're going to try and run the ball. I mean, obviously they try and run the ball every week and just haven't had a ton of success with it lately, but uh, look, I think if if 
ever there was a time before Mathis and Kelsey get back for this offense to get the ball going, you know, running wise, it's this week. I mean, the Rams are 30th in the league against the run. They just not done a good job. They're, they're letting up over 150 yards on the ground per game. So, you know, you got to assume that between Shady, between Lane Johnson's return, between Chip Kelly just, you know, being an offensive genius, you figure that they are going to find a way to get the running game going this week. So I think that's going to be a big, big emphasis. Defensively, I, I think you said it exactly. I think, look, uh, and we heard Joe McAtee say it, I, I, Austin Davis is a game manager. He likes to get the ball out quick, make quick reads, get rid of the ball. Uh, I think they're going to try and come at him. I think they're going to try and get in his face. I think they're going to try and disrupt his timing, not let him get those one, two, three, make his reads throw kind of, you know, feeling out there. And I think that's going to be a key. I think we've seen that Billy Davis is pretty good at disguising blitzes at kind of putting a, a disguised front out there. And for an undrafted quarterback rookie out of, out of Southern miss, you know, I think, I think Davis has a real chance to, to kind of get in his head a little bit. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, we, we've been talking about the Eagles' defense and everything, and I think everyone agrees that they played pretty well uh, last week, given the circumstance. I mean, because the offense couldn't even stay out in the field. They were in a really tough position. They really didn't give up too many big plays. Uh, they had that one with, I guess it was Marcus Smith was responsible for kind of keeping track of Frank Gore on the uh, the weak side of that play at the point where Kaepernick had rolled out. Oopsie you know, easy. made that crazy throw <laughs> against his body. Yeah, and that's you know that's partly a, I guess partly a rookie mistake at a player playing at a position they're not really having having had experience play, and then even Earl Wolf had the chance to bring him down. He just total terrible tackle attempt. But you you know you kind of look beyond that, which is just one play, and you look at how they play as a unit, and that's pretty good. And you know the the week three wasn't so good. You know obviously they gave a lot of points to Kirk Cousins, who then proceeded to look terrible against the Giants through four interceptions. But you know. You look at yards, and again, it's the same kind of defense that it was last year that they're always going to give up a lot of yards because they face so many plays because either the offense is scoring really fast and they're not on the field for very long, or like last week, they're not on the field at all because they can't even get a first down. So, you know, they're ranking 27th in total yards, but, you know, when you look at yards per play, they're they're 5.3, and that's 12th overall. You know, that's above average. Maybe you cut down on the plays that they're out there. The offense gets going. You know, they can actually move the ball. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the defense looks a lot better again. And then you look at points per play, and that's 13th. I mean, again, above average. You look at third down conversion percentage, and now this was helped by the Jacksonville game, but still give them credit for doing that. They're, they have the sixth best opponent third down conversion in the league, and they were 24th last year. So there is some defensive progress being made. You know, I think a lot of people like to – to give, uh, I think Bill Davis and the Eagles defense in general catches a lot of flack, and they're not a great defense. You know, I'm not trying to make it sound like there's just uh, there's some great defense, but I really think, you know, at its best, you know, you have this defense that's just average, which is acceptable because the identity of this team, I say it all the time, should be an offensive team that's mm -hmm. you know top two or top three in the league. If that you have that offense that's strong at that high, and you have this special teams unit which looks like a top five special teams unit, and you just have a defense that's average, I think that's a contender right there. Absolutely, and uh, you know there are, I know there are a lot of different varying opinions on what Billy Davis does. I'm fifty fifty on my own. A lot of it's personnel driven. Uh, you know, I don't. I, there's just some spots where I don't think he's one hundred percent confident with doing the certain rotations that I know everybody wants. We don't know how how far along like guys like Hart. 
and and uh, you know how much of a liability some of the other front four are to generate that pass rush. I think he's done an okay job, and I think that's really again all you need to be. Um, the offense just needs to start clicking so they're not on the field for 40 minutes uh, a game here. But um, we're getting the predictions in just a little bit, but it's everybody's favorite time. Let's get to the picks. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. boys uh i myself have not been doing great i need to stop uh, ringing the bell so much because i got killed last week but uh we uh we're running short on time so we'll just do uh one a piece and we'll start with our man mr james zelter where are we going first my friend oh man this is tough because i got two that i like uh both are road dogs excuse oh. me i'm sorry it's one road dog and one road favorite mm. i'm gonna go with the road dog and i'll let you know the other one at the end just to i'll slip it in there All but right. uh the carolina panthers are favored by three points over the bears the panthers are at home i just think the bears are a much better football team i don't think the carolina panthers should be favored by most teams over my by minus three right now i, I don't I don't care who they're playing. Their defense, which looked to be, you know, otherworldly, has been god-awful the last two weeks. They they literally cannot stop the run. The Bears' offensive line much improved. Uh, Matt Forte, of course, can run the ball. So, I... Uh, I like the Bears. I like, I think they win that game outright. Uh, I'm I'm right on your wavelength. It's hard again. I don't know how many times I've said this in the off season. You, it's hard to keep a defense together, and it's hard to win games when your offense doesn't score points. You're starting to see that now. Chicago Bears are minus one twenty five on the money line. Carolina is plus one hundred five. I think it tells you a lot about this game, and I love that pick. Yeah, it's a great great point there. Great B- point. BLG, where are we going next, sir? I've picked the Cowboys in the last two consecutive weeks and i've i've been right both times so yes. that's kind of concerning me here maybe i'm somehow <laughs> willing these cowboys into victory uh so i'm gonna go away from them you know, i gotta change it up here i'm actually gonna go to the seattle seahawks who are favored by only seven and a half points mm, on the road in washington why doesn't that seem a little low there that does seem a little weird to me i mean this is the seahawks i'm pretty sure everyone agrees they're the top team in football or at least top three right now how are they only favored by seven and a half on the road in washington you know washington just does not look very good now, I, I, and kirk cousins is still starting and he just threw four interceptions against the giants you know what's he going to do against the seattle seahawks i have to take seattle seahawks minus seven and a half i'm definitely not going to challenge it because the, i think the line's right I'll, I'll tell you why it's not that high is because again it's that west to east east to west thing yeah. and it's a national game on monday but, night but yeah. Seattle has had a buy. Well, that's true too, and I guess you got to you got to factor that in. Um, I don't think that it's still. I for whatever reason the the nationally televised games when you have those switches get a little kooky. Money line is minus one fifteen and minus one hundred five respectively, respectively to Seattle and Washington there. So I, yeah, it's going to be. I, I have a feeling it's just going to be a very very weird, weird game. Seattle still wins that one, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I think I am going to. Kind of march my way on down, uh, or up, actually, I should say, to the Meadowlands. I'm going to go to New York. I uh, I like the Giants minus four over Atlanta. It's so weird how we all just kind of wrote the Giants off in the first two weeks of the season and how awful Eli Manning is and how awful everybody else is. The Atlanta Falcons defense is, uh, is terrible. 
It's terrible. It, it, it's weird. The AFC South has like a, a defense deficiency right now, um, but it looks like the, the the playbook is starting to finally come together. Uh, Eli Manning, I think I read a stat that was getting out passes no more than two seconds across the board. I don't think there was one pass that was over two seconds. So I think they're starting to feel comfortable. I think they gained a little confidence with a beat-up Washington team, and uh, I think they take this one at home minus four. And the Falcons are just a terrible road team. They're they're yeah. one in seven in in uh, road games last year, and the only win was a three or yeah, it was a three point overtime win in Buffalo. So I had the I had the Vikings beating the uh, the Falcons outright last week. And nice. you know, there you go. That's why <laughs> exactly. And real quick before we go to our predictions. The Steelers are favored by seven in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think Jacksonville should be less than a, a 10 point dog to basically anybody in the league. Take Pittsburgh, take, give the points. They're going to win that game by a lot. Bonus pick for Mr. James Zeltzer. So we'll take that into consideration. We'll go back to BLG for the most important prediction Eagles, Rams. What do you got, my friend? I'm taking the Eagles to score 31. And I'm putting the Rams at, I'm going to put 20. So that's going to be enough to, to cover the spread, 31, which is seven and a half. I like a 31-20 Eagles. James Elter, what's your score prediction? I, I was going to go 34-20, but that, I don't want to go with the that close to BLG. So I'll, I'll give the, the Rams a few more points. How about 34 to 24? A, a nice 10-point win for the Birds. Nice. I think, the, uh, I think I'm going to make the dogs upset, but... I'm going to go a little closer. I think the Eagles win this one because they were back at home and they're a little more settled in. Uh, the offense sputters but still gets the job done. I'm going to say Eagles 27, uh, Rams 17. I still like the 10-point spread. That uh, that uh, So, I mean, basically we all have them covering, so that's that's pretty confident. But, again, I don't know. It's just these – I think everybody senses trap game and, and all that other stuff. I, I have a feeling it's either going to be – uh, a 10 point game or Oakland from last year. So like it's, it's uh, it, either way. I, I don't really see the Rams winning as much as the Eagles could try and lose this thing. So uh, a big thank you again to Joe McAtee from the uh, turf, uh, turf show times uh, joining us with all that great Rams information. And again, we made predictions on this game. You can too. The only difference is when you guys do it, you can win Eagles Giants tickets for Sunday night football, which will be two weeks from Sunday. Uh, and all you have to do, check us out at BGN underscore radio. There's a pin tweet up there. It tells you everything to do. Basically, you just have to follow us, retweet and uh, get your score prediction with the total amount of yards. And if you get it right, the tickets are all yours. Go check us out on Facebook as well. Uh, look up uh, Bleeding Green Nation. We're doing a little Facebook contest for liking and sharing a link over there uh, and all that good stuff. So, uh, again, we are always fueled by Duncan Philly, and we thank you so much for listening to this episode of BGN Radio. For Brandon Lee Gowton, for Mr. James Zeltzer, and for myself, uh, John Barchard, thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Bleeding Green Nation.